When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Oh, it is such a blessing to be in Christ Jesus, and he is the one who leads us home. As we think about the Christian life this morning, our final episode in the Good News uh, series, I think of someone who once said, my work is my life and my life is my work. My work is my life and my life is my work. And many of us, I'm sure here and the person standing here could say a similar sentence. My work is my life and my life is my work. It's a kind of a life sentence that we might have to say. We may not admit it, but if we were to look at ourselves honestly, that might be what we would say. But maybe you would fill in the blank a different way. Maybe you would say it like this. My children are my life and my life is my children. My pleasure is my life and my life is my pleasure. My possessions is my life and my life are my possessions. My money is my life and my life is my money. My ease and comfort is my life, and my comfort is my life. And so we might be saying these kinds of statements because that is what our life reflects. And so I wonder if someone was to ask you, what is your life? How would you fill in that blank to say what your life is? If you were to say, my life is this, how would you fill in the blank? Probably a harder question to ask is this, how would someone else fill it in for you? Because if we're marking the test ourselves, we're going to give ourselves 100%, aren't we? We'll always do that. But if someone was to look onto our life, and if they were to say to us, this is what your life is, I wonder what they would say. Would your life be your pleasure, your ease, your comfort? What would your life be? If we have put our faith and trust in Jesus, like I've been saying this whole series, if we have trusted him by faith and believe in him and are walking in him, do you know what that means for us? That means that our life has to be totally different and totally changed. Our life has to be devoted to him. And that must mean then that our life sentences, they must change. I think as Christians, that our life sentence should be the same sentence that Paul had. Paul wrote this in Philippians 1.21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This was Paul's life. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. When you looked at Paul, you would say to yourself, everything about Paul is all about Jesus. This man is consumed by Jesus. He is all in with Jesus. Often we will look at people and we will say, man, you know, sport is their life. Work is their life. But when you look at Paul, do you know what you say about Paul? Christ is his life. You cannot ignore that fact about Paul. 
He keeps following after Jesus. And so if you are going to decide to put your faith and trust in Jesus, your whole life is going to be about him. And when you look at Paul and when you see all he went through in his life, you you see this man was all about Jesus. I want you to hear some of the things um, that happened to Paul in his life. And in 2 Corinthians, it says this, 11 verse 24. He's recounting his life of ministry and he says this. Five times I received at the hand of the Jews 40 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, in danger from my people, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the wilderness, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. This was Paul's life. Now you look at that and you say, why did Paul go through all of that? Why didn't he just give up? Why did he go through all that? And he would answer us this, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to live on this earth, Paul would say to us, I am going to live for Jesus. I am all in. And so for us as Christians, if we're going to believe and trust in Jesus, we need to be all in. This is the Christian life. And so as we ask this morning this question, what is the Christian life? If I have responded to this good news and believed in Jesus, I need to know what the Christian life really looks like. So what does the Christian life really look like? The Christian life, firstly, is a costly life. The Christian life is a costly life. Now, make no mistake about it. Like I said last week, if we believe in Jesus and and trust in him, we have blessings. We have sanctification. We have redemption. We have the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. If we have believed in him, we have all the blessings in the spiritual realm. We have all spiritual blessings, according to Ephesians 1 verse 3. We have everything that we need for life and godliness. Yet often when people are presenting this good news to other people, what they want to say to them is, if you believe in Jesus, you are going to have your best life now. Well, my friends, that is not true. That is just not true. Because even some of you watching here right now, some of my close friends, you've experienced great trials in these last few weeks. Yes, the Christian life is a blessing, but it doesn't protect us from life. The Christian life is a costly life. And I say that because of what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23. Jesus said this. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Do you hear what Jesus is saying in those verses? If anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, 
You remember a couple of weeks ago, at the end of the last sermon, a few weeks ago, I, I challenged people and called people to come to Jesus, to trust in Jesus. And I use those words, come to Jesus. And what Jesus is doing right there, right now, is he's using those same words. If anyone would come after me, here is what he needs to do. Here is what she needs to do. And so there are three commands that follow what Jesus says. If anyone would come after me, what are they to do? Deny themselves. Take up their cross. and Follow him. The Christian life is a costly life. First, the Christian life is a denial life. It is a self-denial life life. Now what Jesus doesn't mean by that is that the Christian life is to be a monastic life, a life where we live out in a monastery closed off from all the world. That is not what Jesus means when he says that this is a a life that is to be self-denying. What he means by this, that we are to deny ourselves, is that we are to deny ourselves rule and authority in our lives. We are not to be number one in our lives. When we trust in Jesus, he is number one in our lives, not because we put him there, but because he is there once we believe in him. And so we're constantly living our daily Christian life, denying my rule. And praising him for his. The Christian is to deny themselves. He also says this. The Christian is to take up their cross. Take up their cross. And often when we look at this idea of taking up the cross. We we read that wrong also. You, You might have heard someone say you know. That thing was my cross to bear. That, that burden or that hardship was, was just my cross to bear. And so I bore that cross. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. When we look at the cross and the reality of the cross, and when they looked at the cross back in the day, the cross meant one thing. The cross meant death. And people would carry that cross to the place of execution. They would carry the very cross that was going to be used, and it meant humiliation and rejection from the outside world. That is what Jesus is saying. If you are going to follow me, it will mean humiliation, rejection, and death to yourself. Christian life is a costly life. And finally, He says, not only are you to deny yourself, take up your cross, but you are to follow me. Many people in this country will say they are Christians, but they do not follow Jesus. So the question is, do you follow Jesus? Now, there is this word in this verse. Uh, We skipped. And the word is daily. Daily. The Christian life is a costly life because it is a daily life. 
Luke's gospel is the only gospel that adds this part in. And do you know why that's so hard for us, this daily thing? Do you know why it's so hard for us? Because we struggle to do anything daily. Now, don't get me wrong. When we believe and trust in Jesus, it is a one-time thing. We believe and we trust in him. But we don't just believe and trust in him and put that away and live our own lives however we want to. No, we believe and trust in him and then we follow after him daily. And the problem with that is usually we are not good at doing things daily. Have you ever said to yourself before, I am going to exercise every day. How does that go for you? I'm going to eat better every day. How does that go for you? I'm going to save money every day. How is that going for you? We struggle to do things daily, especially now when our daily routines are all out of sync. We struggle to do the daily life. But Christian, you may struggle with exercise, you may struggle with food, you may struggle with your money. You may struggle with those things daily. But we cannot give up on following Jesus daily. And my concern during some of this time is some of us as Christians will forget that the Christian life is a daily life. And we're just going to waste our time during these days when God is seeking to use these days for us to draw closer to him. Rather than us laze around on the couch. Or do various different things. No, he is calling us to trust in him daily. The Christian life is a costly life. But if the Christian life is a costly life, that also means that the Christian life is an enduring life. The Christian life is an enduring life. And, you know, as I've been thinking on this and and praying on this reality of an endurance in our lives, um, a friend of mine popped into my head as I was praying and, and thinking about this. And the friend of mine, um, she works as a, a frontline senior staff worker in a, in a hospital in Ireland. And basically what that means for her, as I contacted her and asked her about her work experience, I really didn't, didn't know the half of it, to be honest. It was amazing. What it means for her is that the book really stops with her. So a person might come in in their 80s showing signs of COVID and she is the one who has to tell that person. And it is very likely that that person's life is going to end. She is the person that has to make the phone calls. Usually when people are nearing the end of their life, what they would do is they would bring the family in, sit them down and tell them in in the most normal manner they could. But she has to now pick up the phone and make the phone calls. Sometimes two a day. 
Sometimes she will send out patients well, and then they will return to her again with more signs of COVID. This is a hard job that she has right now. But do you know what she said at the end of um, her text to me? She said this, I'm grateful for my job and I would never give up. I'm grateful for my job and I would never give up. This should be the Christian life for us. That we would wake up day after day, morning after morning, no matter how hard life gets, and say, I am grateful for all Jesus has given me, and I will never give up. This Christian life is a life of endurance. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 12, verse 1. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you hear those words? Let us run this race with endurance. Let us run this race with endurance and let us not give up. Let us keep going daily and not give up in this endurance race. And you know, there are three things that keep us going in this endurance race. We heard the first in verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I want you to picture this, that the Christian life, it is a race. And you are on the track of the Christian life. And around that track is a stadium. And that stadium is full with clouds of witnesses. And who is it that fills the seats in the stadium? Well, according to Hebrews 11, those who fill the seats in the stadium are people like Noah who continued to build the ark even though he did not see rain. People like Abraham, who continued to believe in the promises of God, even though he was coming up at a 100 years of age, he believed that God would give him a child and increase him and make him a great nation. In the stadium are people like Moses, who believed in God, who lifted up his staff before the Red Sea and believed and trusted in God to part that sea and walked on dry ground. Those are the people in the stadium. And those people, as we run this faith, this race of faith, those people in the stadium are cheering us on and saying to us from the past, keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. And as we run this race of faith on this track, we are not only surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses in the stadium, but we are running with other people. 
We are not running with people who are competing against us. No, we are running with people who are for us. Why? Because we are running with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You'll remember Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25, which urges us and encourages us, let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. And so as you are running the race of faith, you not only have a cloud of witnesses in the stadium who say, keep going, but you have brothers and sisters on the track who are saying to you, let us keep on going. And finally, as you are stumbling and fumbling and tripping in this race, you look up. And who do you see at the finishing line? Well, your Savior, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who ran this race of life with endurance and ran the race perfectly. And he ran it all the way to Calvary. And there, He died. He finished the race. I told this story before. I remember when I was five or six years old, we were in uh, Cork Mac Sherry. Um, Our family used to go down there for uh, this festival and there were these races that were on and I was quite scared when I was running the race. And I remember, I don't quite remember everything, but I remember I started the race as a very young boy and I tripped and I fell. And I looked up and I knew I wasn't going to win. But when I looked up, Who did I see? But my dad there at the end of the line. I don't know if he'll remember this. At the end of the finishing line. And he was going like this. Come on. Come on. And I knew that moment. I knew that moment. When I saw him. I am going to finish this race no matter what happens. Dear friends, when you see Jesus at the finishing line, he is not standing, but he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he is saying, come on, come on. And when you see him, you know you will finish this race. Let us fix our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. This Christian life is a costly life. It is an enduring life. But Jesus says, come on. Not only is this Christian life those things, but this Christian life is the fruitful life. I want us to go back to those words of Paul that we started with. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul said these words. 
For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, what did Paul mean by those words? These are words that we put up on our walls. They're words that we put up on our Instagram feed. But what did Paul actually mean by those words? To live is Christ and to die is gain. Here's what he meant. Look at verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Do you know what Paul is saying there? If I am going to live, do you know what that's going to mean for me? That is going to be fruitful labor for me. What Paul is saying is that the lived Christian life is to be a fruitful life. Now, what does this fruitful life look like for Paul? Well, it looked like two things. Firstly, Paul, in his fruitful life, what did he do? Paul tells people about Jesus. Wherever he goes, he lives this fruitful life because he tells people about Jesus. You know where Paul is right now when he's writing this letter in, to the Philippians? He is in chains. As he writes this letter, he is in chains. And so he writes to the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 12, and he says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment, my chains, are for Christ. And so what he's doing is he's writing to the Philippians saying, this is not a bad thing that I'm in chains. This is a good thing that I'm in chains. Because when I am in chains, all of the guards in this um, possibly house arrest that he is in, they are hearing about Jesus. And so what's happening is this. Usually back in the day, Paul would have been chained as a prisoner under house arrest to a guard for about six hours. And they would have six hour shifts and then the guard would change. Guess what happened with every guard that Paul would have spent his time with? They would have heard the gospel. And we know that at the end of the Philippians, that many of the imperial guard had trusted in Jesus. That was the fruitful life for him. Even though he was chained, he used that time to glorify God and honor God. Oh, might that be us right now? I know right now your life doesn't feel fruitful. We're waking up each day going, well, what am I going to do? What are we going to do with our time? What are we going to do with our life? Let our lives right now be fruitful lives. Lived out for Jesus. Let us take this opportunity to get in contact with more friends. Tell them that we're praying for them. Tell them about our services. Tell them about Jesus. Let us take this opportunity to be fruitful in life. But the second thing that this meant for Paul is not only was he um, telling others about Christ, but he was encouraging others in Christ. Listen to what he said in verse 24. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith. 
Paul is saying he's torn between the two, between life and death, but he's convinced that he is going to stay and live on this earth for their joy and their progress. The fruitful life is an others-centered life. Life, believe it or not, is about other people. And life is ultimately about Jesus. This is what Paul says in chapter 2, verse 4. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. See, my concern for us right now is when we're in self-isolation, who do we think of when we are in self-isolation? The hint is in the name. We think about ourselves more often than we care to admit. And so what the Bible is pushing us to as Christians is that our life is to be a fruitful life, a life that thinks about others, a life that thinks about the interests of others, a life that calls others and texts others and prays for others and asks others how they're doing and tells others about Jesus. This is what our life should be about. It is an others-centered life. Why? Because this was the life of Jesus. If you want to know a life that was humble and a life that was about other people and a fruitful life, you need only look at Jesus. Philippians 2 verse 5 said this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus lived the other-centered life. Jesus lived the fruitful life that we might live a life for him. What is the great command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the Christian life. It is a fruitful life. And this, my friends, is the life we are called to. But not only is the Christian life a costly life and an enduring life and a fruitful life. But ultimately, do you know what the Christian life is? And this is just amazing. Do you know what the Christian life is? The Christian life is eternal life. The Christian life is eternal life. That once we have believed in Christ Jesus, we are now living the eternal life. And we are longing and waiting for that realized eternity with Jesus. That is why Paul says those amazing words. To live is Christ and to die is gain. How can he say that? He can say that because he knows ultimately, ultimately, the Christian life is not a life on this earth. The Christian life is eternal life. That is why death is gain. How could death possibly be gain? Death is gain because we get to see our Savior face to face. And so he says in verse 23, 
I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. What could be better than the best thing that you have ever experienced in this world? To die and be with Jesus, because that, my friends, is far better. I wonder, I wonder for you, what is better? Is this world better than Jesus? Or is Jesus better to you than this world? And how you answer that question will tell you whether you are a Christian or not. Is Jesus better than this world? Or is this world better than Jesus? Let me tell you, it is far better to be with Jesus. The Christian life is the eternal life. Now, I know I'm blabbing a bit this morning, but let me remind you, as I was praying and thinking about this, I was reminded of the thief on the cross. You remember Jesus was, was on the cross, right? And on the cross, Jesus was beside uh, two thieves. One began in, in Luke, um, in the end chapters in Luke, one began to rebuke him and speak against Jesus. And then the other thief rebuked that thief, telling him to stop. And then he turned to Jesus, the thief on the cross, and said, said these words to him, remember me when you get to your kingdom. And Jesus turned to him and said to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. His day was about to get far better because he was going to be with Jesus in paradise. And being with Jesus in paradise was a lot better than being with Jesus on this earth. Incredible. And what's so incredible about the thief on the cross, what is so incredible about the thief on the cross is he didn't have time to live the Christian life as I've described it. He didn't have time to live the costly life. He didn't have time to live the enduring life. He didn't have time to live the fruitful life. Which tells me something about those three things. That is not ultimately what Christianity is. That is what we are called to if we are to live this life longer. But that is not ultimately what Christianity is. It is eternal life. All the thief on the cross did that day. All he did that day to get paradise, the only thing he did to get paradise and to be with Jesus for eternity, listen to me, all he did that day was believe and it was enough. Faith in Jesus is enough. You do not have to earn your way. You do not have to work your way into Jesus, into heaven. Faith is enough. That day, he believed in Jesus, and that day, he was in paradise, which was far, far better.
before our time of reflection and our time of singing together, I'd encourage you to sing uh, this song. Um, we are going to sing this song for the cause. And as we sing this song, I want you to think and reflect. Maybe scriptures came to mind. Maybe questions came to mind. And we will talk about those comments after we sing this song together for the cause.